This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Intercooler podcast is sponsored by JBR Capital, one of the UK's leading car finance specialists. Now, we only partner with like-minded organizations who really understand what it means to be a car enthusiast And JBR Capital is a perfect fit for us. It's run by people who really love cars. And importantly, vehicle finance is all JBR Capital does. That alone is what the company exists to do. So whether you're looking to fund a classic sports car, supercar or hypercar, see what JBR Capital can do for you. And it's not just about very high-end, expensive unobtainium. In fact, the minimum borrowing is £25,000 and the average £80,000. Head to JBR Capital on social media or jbrcapital.com online and tell them the intercooler sent you. Right, let's get on with this week's podcast. Welcome to the Intercooler Podcast. Hi everybody, this is episode 89 of the Intercooler Podcast. I'm Dan Prosser with Andrew Frankel. Uh, Andrew, (laughs) we're recording this on the Monday after the season, the F1 season finale, and yes. I, do, I don't even apologise to people who aren't interested in F1 because we, there's only one topic that we can talk about this Monday morning, isn't there? And that is the race that we saw over the weekend, um, the the climax to an extraordinary championship. Uh, so we will sort of talk about it in detail, but let me just get your sort of top level thoughts. Are you are you annoyed or are you just disappointed with how it was managed, or do you feel aggrieved? Where are you? Do you know, Dan, I feel absolutely everything. I feel absolutely everything. I mean, at one end of things, I suspect, because there was an appeal, and that appeal, as we know, has been appealed, and then that will go to the FIA, and if that goes against Mercedes, they have the right to take it to, to court, to law. Um, and you know, the idea that this could go on for months, um, and I just think that's terrible. I just don't think that serves anybody's interest, least of all Mercedes, because I just think in PR terms, um, I just think they're shooting themselves on the foot with this. So, you know, on the other hand, you know, as a climax to a season, you know, you can't complain too much, can you, when the destination of the championship is still unclear with less than a lap of a 22-race championship still to go. Um, I think it was handled unbelievably badly, and I am angry about that because, um, you know, I, 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 I'm also completely conflicted because I hate the meddling and everything else, and I hate the fact that, um, you know, the best driver didn't win, in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, it's been a sensational season. I don't resent Max being champion at all. Um, and, you know, and, and, and the point being is that, you know, whatever you can say about what he did in the rest of the season, in this race, he didn't, he didn't, do, he didn't put a foot wrong. 
Um, and he he is world champion, and in my view, an entirely deserving world champion. So I feel, I feel, and you know, as we sort of sit here on the sort of the morning after the night before, at least as we record this, it's that extraordinary range of emotions, isn't it? Because there's everything in there. There's there there is joy, there is anger, there is sorrow, there there's the whole lot. I, I feel them all. So yeah, I'm still sorting out my feelings. What about you? Uh, I'm reasonably sanguine, actually. You know, I make no secret of the fact that I am a Lewis fan. I wanted him to win. Um, but, you know, we'll come on to this a bit later, but I think uh, Hamilton fans, and I count myself among them, can think, you know, we feel a little bit aggrieved because of the meddling that actually determined where the championship went. However, Lewis was, he was just the fastest car and driver package yesterday. He was streets ahead. Um, streets ahead. And, and we, can, we can just look at that and go, well, he, he was... He was peerless on the day. He did everything that he had to do. And it took an extraordinary sequence of events to take that title away from him. He wasn't defeated in a fair fight. Um, but anyway, no, he wasn't. <laughs> should, we, should we set this up properly? Should we go back? Go on there. Go on um, there. Go on there. Let's, let's rewind. So we've seen a truly sensational and gripping season start to finish. I've not enjoyed Formula One more than I have this year. Um, and we've seen two unbelievably talented drivers. They were just streets ahead of everybody else all season long. Um, I think, can I, can I make one Max. other, what, what I think is quite an important point here, is I think that, you know, another thing that I've really loved about this season is, and particularly this final race, it has drawn people into the sport who would never have given it the time of day in the past. Uh, I mean, even, you know, my family... Um, who couldn't be less interested in it. Okay, they didn't watch the race from start to finish, um, but normally they wouldn't even have been aware it was going on on the fact that I, w- I went missing for a couple of hours. And it was, gosh, what's happened? Uh, what's going to happen? Um, and, you know, if it has helped broaden the appeal of Formula One, um, then that's a good thing to me. Yeah. Well, again, we'll come to it, but it may have actually done a little bit of damage. Um, but... Well, true. We, you know... Formula One needed this. It needed a close fight between drivers from different teams that went down to the wire. You know, we've seen years and years of Mercedes dominance. The Ferrari, I mean, Vettel in the Ferrari for a couple of seasons was right up there with Lewis until sort of two-thirds of the way through the year. Um, But we haven't seen a proper showdown between two drivers from different teams for far too long. So this this season arrived not a moment too soon. Um, And of course, as we know, it we found ourselves in the extraordinary position where we had two drivers on equal points heading to the final race. Um, it's happened once before in 74, but I've looked yeah. into this. In 1974, there were 135 points on the table. Um, yeah. I think 14 or 15 races, nine points for a win, and no, no additional points for fastest lap or sprint races or anything else. Um, this season, almost 600 points on the table. So for, for two drivers to go into the final race on equal points this year is just vanishingly unlikely um and it happened yeah. and i suppose it can shows ask, go on sorry can i ask you a question here okay and i only do this it, it, again this is my sad mind um you're absolutely right the, the chances particularly the way the things are configured with points these days of them having equal number of points are as you say vanishingly unlikely but there have been 72 seasons of formula one until now how many of those seasons was the title decided on the last race? <laughs> do you know the number? You do, don't you? I do. And you're going to reel them off year by year? No, you're not. Um, no, I'm not. No, no, we have the time to do that, but I do know the number. Is it... I, think it won't, I think it won't be what you expect. I'm not going to say whether it's higher or lower than you think, but it, I, I, do, I, mean, I only know it because I went and looked, uh, and it wasn't the number I was expecting. Is it 30? Is it 30? <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> okay. No, it clearly is. It is clearly quite exactly the number you're expecting. It is, is it? precisely 30. Well done. Oh, my God. That's extraordinary. Well, it is exactly I, 30. It was a total see, guess. I thought, I, I thought it was going to be like 11. I thought it would be really, <laughs> really low. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. It is that's 30. That's bizarre, isn't which it? Which means, if you do the math, that means that uh, over 40% of all Formula One seasons have been determined at the final race and another and i won't i won't ask you for this but um people will go oh yeah but that's you know that's going way back it's not like that anymore well if you just calculate it in championships that are taking place in the 21st century 
the percentage is not quite as high, um, but it goes down from about just over 40% to just over 35%, 36 point something percent, I think. So there is still a better than one, in any given season, there is still a better than one in three chance that it will be determined at the final race. Yeah, and that's pretty good. And given that we have more races now, yeah. um, that percentage, it's, it's fallen a bit, but yeah, I mean, it's still held up pretty well, hasn't it? Um, so it was just perfectly poised, wasn't it? Perfectly poised. Um, as we know, if neither driver scored, Max won because of countback, having ha- had more wins. That would have left a bit of a sour taste, perhaps, because one of those wins was the Belgian Grand Prix, wasn't it? Which was run for two laps behind the safety car. Max declared the winner. Um, and it wasn't yeah, but at, at the same time, you know, another one of those wins for um, for Lewis was the Hungarian Grand Prix, you know, where Valtteri basically took out the Red Bull team. Okay, Max finished, but you know, in in a car, in a ruined car with no downforce. Um, and also, let's not forget Silverstone. I'm not going to get back into the into the whole who did what thing, but you know, nevertheless, he was you know Lewis was a judge to have been more at fault for an accident that put. Max in hospital and Lewis won the race. So, you know, you can't look at these things as little bubbles. And what you can't say is, oh, yeah, well, Max had all the luck. Okay, he had absolutely all the luck in Abu Dhabi. But if you look at it over the course of the season upon which the championship is determined, I actually think that Red Bull had more bad luck than um, the Mercedes-Benz. So, Yeah, they had a tie uh, at Baku while leading the race, didn't they? That's that's extraordinarily unfortunate. Yeah. Um, So... We're going to Abu Dhabi, final race, perfectly poised. Max sticks it on pole. He delivered the barnstorming qualifying lap that he looked on course to deliver in Saudi until he whacked it into the yes. wall. Um, yes. It, I mean, in hindsight, we now know, I think, that the Red Bull was sort of geared towards qualifying more than the race um, because that pace yesterday was gone. Um, and how, how instructive was it that Max, even on a medium... Couldn't keep up with Lewis on a on a hard tire. No, no, sorry, Max on a soft tire couldn't keep up with Lewis on a medium because Lewis started right. on medium, didn't he? And Max started yeah. on soft. Max started on soft because he'd flat spotted his mediums in in quali. Yeah, that's um, right. So although he is on pole to an extent, he was slightly on the back foot because obviously you want to be on the soft at the end of a race. Uh, a when you've got someone to catch, but also crucially when you haven't got any fuel in your car. Yeah. Um, because they just last longer. And you can um, go fast. Yeah, and so. So Lewis got the got the the start, didn't he? He got his nose ahead of Max, um, despite being on a harder tire, um, and took the lead of the race. And then, of course, we know there was that incident um, halfway around yeah. the lap. Uh, I suppose you could read it either way. The steward said there was no investigation necessary. Um, I think lots well, of people it, feel it, that was an unfair call, but yeah, but but you know, at, at times like this, you know, you and I, the armchair enthusiasts. Um, you know, we've, do, we've both done a bit of racing uh, and I saw it and I thought it was highly optimistic. I thought it was marginal. But, you know, I, I do buy the point that there was no contact and he didn't leave the track. Um, but forget me, you know, I would, you know, t- to me, the point was that Lewis didn't give back the advantage, which he was told to do, because you have to take um, the advantage to be at the time um, that the incident started to occur. And at the time the incident started to occur, the cars were side by side. In fact, Max was probably slightly ahead. So to have given back the advantage would have would have been to allow Max to basically draw alongside him. And that certainly didn't happen. Um, and as I say, forget me, if you listen to Martin Brundle, Damon Hill, Jensen Button, um, you know, they all said uh, that Lewis should have given the place back, which I, I, I completely agree with. The only person i heard who said anything different um was nico rosberg um and the fact that he's a former mercedes formula one champion and brand ambassador i'm sure had nothing to do with it <laughs> i think giving the place back would have been a bit too much because lewis was leading the race that max might have got his wing in front but he didn't he didn't make the move stick and i think but, the only uh, reason they didn't collide the only reason they didn't collide was that lewis totally bailed out of it if, if there'd been yeah. a wall there and Lewis hadn't had anywhere to go, that's a crash. And it's again, Max, yeah. is, he's done it again. Okay, he but, puts but, his car in a position. It's yield or crash, isn't it? Yeah, but, but some would say that's motor racing and Max stayed on the track and Lewis bailed out of it. But in the process of bailing out of it, confirmed an enormous advantage upon his own. But ultimately, actually, none of this matters because what I don't think that 
any credible observer would deny is that even if Lewis had given the place back, he'd have been back past Max in a flash, wouldn't he? Um, he, would, he, was, he would. He was just so much faster. He would. I mean, it's dangerous passing Max, isn't it? Mercedes didn't want to have to do that again. Um, no. Because as we know, if neither guy finished, Max wins the championship. So Max was always going to be prepared to take greater risks. Always. Yeah. As he has done yeah. all season while leading the championship. Um, Correct. And, but as you say, it, it scarcely matters because Lewis was so much faster. He just built a gap. He built it yeah. to several seconds. Um, yeah. And then Perez got, got involved with a brilliant bit of defensive driving that just wiped out an eight-second was an eight, an eight second lead cut down to one. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's the only time I was slightly disappointed. And it's so easy, isn't it, to sit here rather than, you know, but when Lewis was sitting in the car going, that's dangerous driving. It wasn't. That was proper motor racing. Uh, whatever you think about the ethics of deploying your teammate to hold up, you know, the, you know, Mercedes would have done it. There, there isn't a team on the track who wouldn't have done it. So I don't think you can argue that point. I thought Perez drove brilliantly uh, and did his job. I mean, the perfect, you know, he did exactly what basically Bottas has been unable to do all season. He was the perfect wingman. Um, and he put Max back in the hunt. Not that it actually turned out to matter very much because Lewis just buggered off again. But, um, I thought it was brilliant driving. I thought that was sensational. I suspect if Lewis watched it back, he'd go fair enough. In the heat of the moment, it probably felt yeah, quite wild. I agree. Um, yeah. But as you say, it doesn't really matter because Max gapped him again. Sorry, Lewis gapped him again. Um, yeah. He just clearly had the pace in that car all race long. Um, he should have won the bloody race without any question. He should have won the bloody race. Yeah, and then it, it just kept coming. There was the virtual safety car um, because of Giovinazzi stopping out on track that allowed Max to pit, to put on new hards. <clears throat> um, and the, but the gap just wasn't coming down fast enough. Um, so we got to this, this position where we had five laps to go. Lewis had an 11-second lead with four cars, four lapped cars between him and Max. So yeah, and you, you, you got Christian Horner saying, we need a miracle. Yeah, we need a miracle. Um, I mean, there's just no way that Max would have caught him. He w- it would have taken at least a lap to get through. And so he would have needed to reel Lewis in at almost three seconds a lap. Um, well, when, the, when Max rejoined on his brand new set of hards, um, he was 17 seconds behind. Uh, and he needed to reel Lewis in at eight tenths of a second a lap. He wasn't even close to it. He wasn't anywhere near him. He wasn't going to get... He wouldn't have been anywhere... I mean, Lewis would have won that race. In fact, Max would have probably just given up knowing that it was a, it was a, it was a lost course. Um, but so, no, it, it was never, ever going to happen unless someone did something completely unexpected like stick it in the wall with five laps to go. Isn't it just remarkable? After all of this, this incredible season we've had, it looks like Hamilton's got it in the bag. He's driven superbly. He's been the fastest car, fastest driver all day. He deserved the race win. Five laps to go. Championship on the line. Someone sticks it in the wall. And it's all just, the script is just torn to shreds. Um, and more remarkable still is that it took four laps to clear the car. What if it had taken five laps or six laps to clear the car? The race would have been finished under safety car. But no, it took four laps in this remarkable season it took just the right number of laps to clear the car to leave us with a one lap showdown although only because the rules as they are written the FIA's rules as they are written were not applied fully and the FIA admits that itself so as we know <clears throat> safety car came out um, Max jumps into the pits for a new, a new set of soft tyres do you think Mercedes could have pitted Lewis? I think not um, I think if they had Max stays out they lose track position. That's, that, that, that was the fear, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the, whatever they did, Red Bull would, ha- would inevitably do the opposite. And they thought that track position was, with so few laps remaining, track position was all. And, you know, I do, I understand that point of view because, you know, what you've got then is Lewis behind Max, both of them on brand new softs. Um, and you know, blimey! I mean, that well, would only been... only if Max pitted as well. But if if he oh, did Max, opposite well, okay, Lewis, yeah, okay. So 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 yes. So if so, no, you're absolutely right. No, and then in fact, Lewis would have been ahead of Max on brand new softs. Uh, but then Max, you're absolutely right. Max wouldn't have pitted, and so you would have had you would have had the reserve. You would have had the reverse situation. You would have had Lewis behind Max, Lewis on brand new softs, Max on 
old-ish hards. Although, um, it's true, but there would only have been... Um, had the rules been applied fully, <clears throat> the, the race would have finished under a safety car, and Lewis would have followed Max home behind the safety car, and it would have been the biggest strategic cock-up in the history of F1. It was only because an extraordinary decision was taken to pull the safety car in on the same lap as the, the lapped cars were allowed to overtake that we were given a one-lap showdown. Um, I just don't think Mercedes ever could have pitted. It would have been an enormous gamble to take. So, And then we just get these, this sequence of bizarre decisions where <clears throat> initially lapped cars were not allowed to overtake and then all of a sudden Christian we get the opposite nuts. radio message. Yeah. Um, and then lap cars are allowed to overtake, but only... But only some of them. Only some of them. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, presumably. W- 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 what this is, is a situation... Okay, this is how... I'm, this is, I'm not saying this is what happened. What I'm saying is that this is what... How a conspiracy theorist could read it. Yeah? Um, so I'm not saying this is right at all. It's important to say that. But nevertheless, a conspiracy theory would read that there was a thought process which involved how can, what can we do to ensure that maximum advantage from this situation goes to max so that um, with one lap to go on brand new soft tyres and Lewis on absolutely ruined hard tyres, there's only going to be one outcome. Well, so the first thing you do is um, you pull the safety car in a lap early, effectively, um, so that there is a race still to have. You then also let all the cars between Max and Lewis pass, but not any more, yeah? Uh, which means, you know, he's not going to come under threat from Carlos Sainz. And Sainz is another conversation which people aren't having. Um, but Sainz was on, you know, was, was also on old hard tyres. But, you know, that could have been, you know, that could have been interesting. Um, and then you give him one lap. And at, you know, at that stage given the person that Max is, and given that he was on brand new softs against Lewis on, you know, very old hards, the outcome of that race, you know, unless basically Lewis took him off the track, at which stage, you know... He loses. He'd lose anyway. <laughs> so at the moment that decision was made, the championship was decided. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And it was decided in favour of the bloke who on the day was just, was, was, was slower. And it's, and it's not right. And it's not fair. And Mercedes have every right to feel robbed. But the point, the critical point, is it wasn't Red Bull who robbed them. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't. They actually did nothing wrong. Max did nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. All weekend. Um, Yeah. And the point about science is important. Yes, he was on old hard tyres. But you never know what's going to happen if he got a double toe down those two long straights. Um, Who knows? He could have been a factor. You can't have a situation where the race director says... You know, well, you guys, you three guys, you're the top three, so you are the podium positions, but we'll only allow the cars between P1 and P2 to overtake and not the cars between P2 and P3. That is, okay, fine. He has discretion. My understanding from the rules, which overrule the rules, is that Michael Massey can do whatever Michael Massey wants to do. But that is, that makes no sense, and it is simply unfair. And that's not me saying this as a, as a rabid Lewis Hamilton fan, because, you know, I think that Lewis was deserved to win that race and therefore deserved to win the championship. For myself, I'm actually, there's a lot of me that's really quite glad that we haven't had yet another Mercedes-Benz Lewis Hamilton lockout because I think it's good for the sport for somebody else to be up there. Um, and so I do not resent Max's championship at all. I think he was, he won the most races, he led the most laps, he had the most podiums. You know, by any objective observer, he's a thoroughly deserving world champion, but not that way. Mm. Yeah, good. Okay, I want to say a couple of things. Um, We heard Massey's very snarky comment to Toto, didn't we? It's called a motor race. Yeah. But given the tyre offset, which almost literally couldn't have been greater, um, it wasn't a motor race. That's not a motor race. It's no more motor race than shooting fish in a barrel is a fishing trip. It's not a motor race. Yeah. So that decision determined by Massey determined the outcome of the championship. Lewis and Mercedes were left with no recourse, nothing they could do in that final lap. Um, And the other point is that the rules allow the race director to exercise his discretion over and above the rules as they are written, as you said. But discretion means judgment. Then apply some judgment. Had they been on comparable tyres, 
great, let's have that one lap show down. But given the enormity of the tyre offset, the judgment should have been that it would have been meddling to take the, act, the course of actions that they ultimately did. And, and you can't even say this is all done in the heat of the moment because actually there was quite a long time between the, 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 the safety car being called and that final decision overruling the earlier decision um, being made. So it's not as if you can, you can say you know, he only had 10 seconds to make his mind up. It's not true. Um, and you're, you are completely right. You know, he does, you know, he does appear to have this discretion in which his judgment should be exercised. And he got it wrong. OK, so here's the, here's the important question, because it's so easy, isn't it, for idiots like you and me to sit here and cut. What should he have done in that situation? Um, either red flag it straight away. I think they should have had this conversation beforehand. What if we find ourselves a few laps from the end, someone crashes at, I think it's turn 14, isn't it? Which is not unlikely because it's a, a tricky corner. Um, and we've got the two leaders close on the track. What do we do? Throw the red flag, let them change tyres and have a proper showdown? Um, or, frankly, apply the rules as they're written. Um, I th- apply I think the rules as they're written and um, you let all the lap cars on the lead lap through and then the safety car, this is the critical point, the safety car comes in at the end of the following lap, which would have been the end of the race, and therefore the race would have ended under safety car conditions. In either of those two scenarios, well, in your scenario, so there's a red flag and then you have a five-lap sprint race. Uh, everybody on new softs there's nothing uh, i think would suggest to me that you know given that lewis would have started that on pole because he was leading at the time um that lewis wouldn't have won that certainly if they finished on the safety car then clearly lewis would have won that um so you know in either of those scenarios i mean for myself and this is really boring i'm afraid i think they should have finished it under the safety car i don't think it was a red flag situation and, you know, yeah. if, 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 no, if, if, if you can't recover the car or the driver appears to be injured or whatever, fine, red flag the rest. That was not, you know, that was a, that was a pure, it wasn't a virtual safety car situation. It was a pure textbook safety car situation, um, at which stage you just apply the rules. And it's sad that, you know, and it is a damp squib ending, but it would at least have been fair. Fair. There you go. There you go. There's a very good tweet um, in response to our TI account. Um, from Engineero, who said, no safety car, Lewis wins. Don't let the lap drivers unlap, Lewis wins. Let all the lap drivers unlap, Lewis wins. Let Michael Massey make a decision that contravenes, contravenes the regulations, Max wins. So the only way that Max wins in that scenario is through an extraordinary set of decisions um, that are, the rules applied not as they're written. It's, yeah. Ah. <laughs> it's a bad taste in the mouth, isn't it? It does, particularly after the most memorable season we've had. I just wonder how we look back on this. Do we think it should have been a more equitable outcome? Um, does it leave a bad taste in the mouth when we think that amazing season the that worst, we had was, the, the, finishes on a low note? The worst taste it leaves in my mouth, though, is what, happened after, is what, is what has happened afterwards. Because, you know, as I, as I wrote in my story on the app... Um, you know, motor racing should be, championships should be decided by racing drivers on racetracks. They should not be decided by, you know, um, faceless, almost, I'm sure, invariably men um, in smoke-filled rooms behind closed doors. Um, And, you know, and I think that a company like Mercedes-Benz, which has a, a much wider array of things to consider in terms of its, you know, brand reputation... I just don't think that, you know, given all the success that it has had, you know, won every single constructor's title, every single driver's title for seven years on the trot. Um, I think they should have just gone, OK, we don't like it. Uh, it wasn't fair. But, you know, um, it is what it is. Congratulations, Max. And I think that their currency would have been done all the good in the world and, um I, you know, it's it's just, it's sad that we're sitting here, aren't we? You know, the day after the final Grand Prix, and we don't. Not only do we not know who will ultimately be world champion, we don't even know when that decision is going to get made, and it could be months away. I mean, could it even be after the start of next year if it, if it ends up in a law court? Who knows? But I sort of feel that now that Mercedes have started down this track, they're going to find it very difficult to stop because they've taken a position, and so they must pursue it to the 
to the end. But I mean, Karun Chandot made a very good point, which is that he doesn't understand how Mercedes appeal can be successful because rightly or wrongly, and you know, and this is where you get into the whole thing about the drafting of the rules, but the rules are the rules. And, you know, Michael Massey has the discretion to make a really bad decision, which is what he did. But it's not against the rules. If you, if, if you say to him, ultimately, it is the race director who decides. And if the race director decides that, you know, the bloke who comes last comes first, if he has that power, then, you know, it's, the, it's, it's down to the rules, isn't it? And I, so I think Mercedes will struggle. Yeah. And it'll, yeah. it'll do them no good. It'll be a PR disaster for them. It'll leave a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And I think they should have just worn it, I'm afraid. I, I agree. I hope, actually, um, cooler heads will prevail. They'll wake up this morning. I hope somewhere down the line they'll choose to drop their appeal. Um, I think the trouble is, if they, if they take it to court and they win the case and Lewis is credited with an eighth championship, there'll be no moment of elation that... Lewis fans wanted. There'll be no, no great celebrations. It'll just be no. another mark in the in the history book. You know, it's it, it's not it's not that gleeful, joyful moment that you want as a as a sports fan. So I hope actually they drop it. They choose to be bigger and just come back next year stronger. I think that's Absolutely what agree. they should do. Um, mm. I think we must say that Lewis conducted himself impeccably after the race. He will have oh, been superb. hurting. What a gentleman. But he, but he spoke calmly. He congratulated Max and Red Bull. He went up to them. Um, so, yeah, bravo he to was, him. He, actually, he was... And it's funny, isn't it, that Mercedes won the constructors. They yeah. got their bit, didn't they? Yeah. Know? And it's Lewis who lost the drivers, who's being unbelievably magnanimous and gracious and gentlemanly about this. And, you know, he could have come out and said, well, congratulations to Max. You know, he's a great driver and a deserving world champion. He didn't say that. You know, he said it with warmth. He said it with, with meaning. And, you know, and, and I just thought, you know, God, he's been on the journey, hasn't he? Because there was a time when I, when I thought that Lewis was just petulant and a pain in the arse and... And, you know, and, you know, those were the words of a true world champion and a proper human being. And I so admired him for that. Um, and by contrast, um, his team has not covered themselves in glory. Um, and I think and also, you know, Anthony Hamilton, you know, and I say this as a father. Um, and I, I, I did tweet something about this and say that, you know, sometimes as a parent, um, you know, the highs and lows of your children's lives mean more to you than it than they do to him and so for him to go over and congratulate joss and congratulate max i thought was also an extremely big and generous thing to do Uh, and that's what sportsmen do and goodness knows we don't see enough of it in formula one we see so much proper sportsmanship in so many other sports and so little in formula one um, and I think Max has got to learn because Max did, you know, say that, oh, yeah, Lewis is a great champion, a great driver and everything else. But, you know, only in sort of second round interviews and only after having been, you know, prompted by Jensen to say, oh, you've got a few words to say about Lewis. He didn't just come out and say it. And it should have, frankly, been the first thing he said. Uh, now, I understand that because he's 24 years old. He's just become Formula One world champion of the world. He's completely elated. And, you know, and I'm not criticising him for that. But I do think that Lewis's behaviour at the end of that race was was remarkable um, and heartwarming and, you know, as I said, the mark of a true champion. Mm. Agreed. Um, yeah, it was funny, wasn't it? Mercedes won the constructors, but we often hear that the championship the teams care about is the constructors. Um, but they didn't, I don't know, the way they were pursuing that appeal and chasing the driver's championship, it kind of suggests otherwise. Um, but yeah, I mean, Lewis covered himself in glory. Um, yeah, I, I thought he conducted himself very well indeed. He he must have been really hurting inside. Um, okay, I, th- I, th- well, I think I think having I think having seven championships under your belt already is, is is probably a bit of a comfort. But then again, he's such a competitor, isn't he? Um, and you know, it is that competitive spirit which has driven him to those seven championships. And so, you know, it was quite interesting, wasn't it? At the end, he just sat there in the car with his head in his hands, um, just composing himself, and you know, and. Um, you know, he must have known that his team, well, I don't know, did Mercedes drop the ball? I think I think strategically Red Bull worked, and it's quite rare to say this because usually Mercedes are the best team 
that there is and that's why they've actually in the past won championships with inferior cars it's just by being a better team but i think actually um in abu dhabi i think red bull made the superior calls on strategy um and at least put max in a position whereby if something freakish did happen he'd be able to capitalize and, and lo and behold i it's important for me to say that i think um yesterday into in the race itself lewis deserved to win and therefore should have taken the championship, in my view. Over the course of the season, um, actually, I lean towards Max. I think he was more deserving. I think Lewis, in the, the final few races, was as good as we've ever seen him. Brazil, astonishing. Qatar, dominant. Quickest in Saudi. But I think over the course of the season, for me, Max was the standout driver. So, as you said, I just don't begrudge him winning the championship. I thought he was superb all year. I also think it'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Somebody suggested that they ought to be a five-lap sprint between Lewis and Max, and they should both be in hasses. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think, and I've, I have no evidence for this, um, other than just sort of looking at Max in qualifying. I, don't, I think that, you know, and it takes so much more, doesn't it, than pure pace to be a world champion, but I don't think there's a quicker driver out there than Max. I think Max is just unbelievably quick and I think that Lewis's turn of speed at the end of the season um, is down to his obviously his talent his competitive spirit but it's also down to this fact that we've referred to in the past on this podcast about nobody maintains their form better through a season than Mercedes-Benz and in fact they you know they they did more than maintain their form then they suddenly you know that car suddenly got a load quicker um, and it started you know walking away from Max um, and you know Red Bull must have gone into the you know Horner said we need a miracle with like sort of ten laps to go. He must have gone into that weekend weekend thinking we need a miracle because they would they'd know they'd know just how fast that Mercedes is in for race pace on a Sunday, um, and that's what we saw. I yeah one lap qualifying pace is one thing. Actually, I think I suspect that over a stint and factoring tire management as well, I think Lewis is probably faster over a stint. We'll never know um, because they'll never be in equal cars, will they? But it's just one of those. No, but, but even, that, even, that even on have. that, even on that, historically, I would have absolutely agreed with you. But there was—you'll uh, be able to tell me what it was. There was one race this year where Max kind of grew up because it was all about tire management, and yeah, he was on softs, and there was a, where, so where, where was it? At Cota, Texas, Austin. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yes, at Cota. Yes, you're absolutely right. And Max didn't just disappear. He managed his tyres and, he, and, and he, he left enough in the bank to, to stay clear at the end of the race. And I thought that was, I think that was smart. So, yes, I, th- I think that Lewis is still the more complete racing driver. I think that if they did a season side by side in identical cars, I'd still back Lewis to be world champion at the end of it. But for pure one lap, balls to the wall pace, I think Max is probably quicker. And I don't really have, that's just a gut feeling. I don't really you know, have any justification for saying that. It's just, it's, it's just how I feel from what I've seen. Um, okay, well, let's a little bit about the season as a whole and where some other drivers finished because there was a real battle for fifth place in the drivers' championship um, for a long time. Lando Norris was actually running in third, wasn't he? Um, through the through the middle of the season, um, he was brilliant. Scored a few podiums. Um, ultimately, he finished sixth. Um, but Carlos Sainz, he <laughs> third yesterday. Um, and he, he won that best of the rest title battle, so, sorry, best of the rest battle, um, by four and a half points over Lando, with Charles a further one point back. So that was really tight between those three drivers. Um, but science deserves a lot of credit. He's gone into what was Leclerc's team and beaten him over the course of the season. So I wouldn't have seen that coming. I think you, I can't remember, I think you and I had a start, had a conversation on this podcast at the beginning of the season. And you, I think you backed Science over Leclerc for the season, and I was definitely the other way around. I thought that Science was a really good, you know, number two, you know, top of the first division, but not quite premiership type driver. And he's not, is he? He's really good. He's top his stock. He really his stock is. has risen this year. Yeah, beat beat Leclerc in a straight fight. Um, and another driver pairing that we should mention. I remember at the start of the season, I thought. Uh, Lance Stroll would beat Sebastian Vettel in the Aston Martins um, just because Vettel has never beaten a younger teammate um, he, had, he did this season he scored 43 points to Stroll's 34 so congratulations to Sebastian you proved me wrong also though 
I mean, he was difficult to like during the height of his Red Bull era when he was winning all those races and all those championships. But he's emerged now as a statesman among Formula One drivers, as a mensch. Yeah, and, a, he, and, and, he, and he wasn't that likeable, was he, when he was, you know, making all those mistakes at, at Ferrari and, um, and everything else. But he, he, yeah, he's just, it's like the, he feels the weights come off his shoulders, the pressure to be, you know, I, I think his four championships are obviously a while back now and he knows he's not in a team that can compete for um, you know, top honours. And so he's just relaxed now, isn't he? And, and, and I think we're probably seeing more of the person that he is underneath when he hasn't got all that pressure on him. Yeah, yeah, the true character. Um, a word on Honda? Oh, yeah. I mean, again, we forget, don't we, that, you know... Um, they're gone. Well, they're, they're gone, but that, that, that victory... OK, they didn't win the constructors, but, you know... You think back, when was it, 2015 that Alonso was on the blower talking <laughs> about a GP2 engine? <laughs> and the troubles um, that they they have had. And they were a bit of a laughing stock, weren't they? Um, you know, because of their history, because of that extraordinary run they had in the late 80s and early 90s, where basically, you know, all you needed to be a world champion was, you know, to have a Honda engine strapped to your back. Uh, and then they come back in and everybody's going, oh, blimey, Honda's back. And it's a complete, disappointment um and to get from that to i don't know what the difference was in the constructors it would have been rather closer still if paris hadn't retired um but to win a very few points of mercedes-benz the totally dominant engine manufacturer for the last goodness knows how long well since when did the yeah, so Red Bull's run with some Renaults, didn't they? But Mercedes won its first championship uh, with a Braun in 2009, didn't it? Um, and apart from, you know, Vettel's um, run in from 10 to 13, you know, ever since then, it's been a Mercedes-powered car. Um, and to get that close um, is really quite something. So, you know, fair play to them. I, you know, I love Honda um, being in motor racing. I think they're one of the great names of Formula One. You know, they've been, you know, back winning races in the mid-1960s. All that stuff they did with Williams and McLaren in the late 80s. And I just hope they're back. I really, really hope they're back. I, you know, it is in their blood. It is part of who they are. Um, and I just really, really hope um, we see them again. But in the meantime, you know, Red Bull are going to have to paddle their own canoe next year, aren't they? Yeah. Well, talking of which... New set of regulations for next year. Um, some different driver pairings. Um, Karun wrote an interesting piece for the Intercooler, the Intercooler app, um, about F1 in 2022. And he pointed out that the teams think that despite the completely new regulations that are coming in, the cars are going to be only a second or so a lap slower, um, which <laughs> isn't much. Hopefully, though despite them clawing back all that lap time, which inevitably they do do, because you've got hundreds of engineers working against just a small handful at the FIA. Um, we, hopefully these cars will be more raceable, uh, which has been a big, big problem with this, this recent generation of cars, which are unbelievably fast, incredible to watch when they're running individually, but it, they've made racing very difficult. And we often hear talk, drivers moan about how difficult it is to follow. Um, so hopefully next year that will be put right. We'll have more raceable cars, um, but it remains to be seen. And of course, we've got some interesting new driver pairings. Bottas was shown the door. And frankly, I think yesterday's performance demonstrates why. Um, Perez was in the mix and was able to influence things. Bottas was just nowhere near. Perhaps there are reasons nowhere for near. it. I don't know. Um, I, think he's, I, think, I think that Bottas is a really, really fast driver. Um, but to me, at least, he's not a racer mm. because you know if you put him in traffic, he struggles. Yeah, he just fades, he almost he? always struggle. He just fades, and so stick him out the front, and yeah. that's fine. Um, and you know, and and he should have had better opportunities to be out front because you know he's very quick in qualifying. Um, so he's usually started, you know, at the front or near the front. But if he, you know, if anything gets between him and and the lead, then. You know, he just he, he just can't cope with it. So, yeah, so yeah he's, he's out Mercedes. and George Russell is in. Um, we, it remains to be seen, doesn't it? What role George will play? Is he is he going to come in arm swinging and desperate to win races in his first championship, or does he play the number two for a season? I just I think he's too ambitious and too feisty and too quick 
Um, I, I think I think that the qualifying battle is going to be very interesting between George and Lewis. I, I, there's a very good chance actually that George will get the better of him, um, I, just purely because he's hungrier um, and he's he, he'll be he will be more determined. And Lewis will just take a longer view of it all. Um, I suspect in the races Lewis will have him covered. I just think Lewis's race pace and tire management is very strong and I, I'm not yet convinced that George will be a, a, an equal to it but I'll eat my words if, I I'm, think, if I'm wrong I, th- I think George will learn fast um, it's so interesting isn't it you look back to 2007 um, when Lewis was the new kid on the block coming into a team with a multiple world champion teammate um, and Lewis ran in ragged all the way to the finish line of the last race. Um, so, you know, Lewis can't complain if George tries to do that to him. I think there are some big differences, though. You know, this is a team that's built around Lewis. Um, you know, McLaren in 2007 was not built around Fernando Alonso. They were both new drivers there. Um, and, you know, Lewis was, it was his first season in Formula One. Um, George has been knocking about um, for a while. And, so it'll, it'll be really, really interesting, but I think it's too easy to look back and go, oh, well, the boot's on the other foot, but this is basically uh, 2007, the other way around. Uh, I don't think it'll work out like that. Um, but I do think, you know, hopefully, um, you know, George will just be there. And I think if he's if he's a smart chap, which he is, um, he will be the loyal number two to Lewis for this season. Um, and then... Uh, I think after that, just you know, learn all he can learn from the master. You know, be Moss to Lewis's Fangio, and then after that, really let rip. Um, I, but obviously, you know, he's also but he's a racing driver, and if he sees a chance, he's probably going to take it, isn't he? <laughs> so, of course he will. And actually, yeah. you'd be disappointed if he didn't. Um, yeah. And yet, we don't know who's going to have a competitive car next year. For me, I hope the Mercedes and Red Bull are still quick because I want Lewis and Max to have another epic title fight like we've seen this year but i hope the ferrari is quick i hope the mclaren is quick i hope I at hope times almost, some of the others are it, i think i hope almost anything is quick because you know you've got to think back it's 12 seasons 12 seasons since something other than a mercedes-benz or a red bull driver won the title you know 2009 you know jensen in a mercedes-powered brawn um since then it's been red bull and mercedes the whole way and i I really want I, I want Ferrari to come good. I really want McLaren to come good. Um, I want them all to come good. I you know I want a race season where it's not just you know which one of two teams is going to win, which one of frankly two drivers is going to win. Um, I just want you know it's the same reason I'm really pleased that Max is champion now at least for now at least because you know it's good for the sport. You know uh, you know the sport doesn't need you know you and I might have wanted. Lewis Hamilton to have taken eighth title, um, but the sport—it's not what the, it's not what's best for the sport. You know what's best for the sport is it for it be exciting for other people to come up and have a proper go. Um, I fear that it's going to be a, a much less of a season than the one we just had, and, I, and I'll tell you why. Um, one of the reasons I think that Red Bull and Mercedes were so close this season was you they they have both existed under a very fixed rules regime for a long time now and so you develop the car you develop the car and basically you get into diminishing marginal returns and i think that those two with the talents and the money and everything other you know they both basically gone as far as they could go within the rules as they stood now you create a whole new rule book you create just enormous scope um, and some will just get that, will, will just understand the rules of what can and cannot be done. Um, you know, the cars are not going to turn up at the first race, which is, where is the first race next year? Bahrain, I think. Yeah. Um, in March with fully developed cars. Okay, so somebody will have done their homework better than somebody else. And it will only be as the season progresses, indeed as the seasons progress, uh, that what is possible under the rules becomes apparent. And so my fear is that over the winter, and indeed as it will have been going on this year, um, some people will just do their jobs better than other people and you might get a completely dominant team. 
and I wouldn't want to say who that is, but yeah, I, I like I, I don't think it's going to be a situation that you get when people have gone as far as they can under the existing rules. But I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Ah, well, there we go. I mean, as a Lewis Hamilton fan, <clears throat> I'm looking forward to next season even more than I was before because it's, as I see it, an opportunity for him to avenge what, in many ways, was an unfair defeat. Um, and I just, I just hope we see another great fight between two brilliant drivers. It's been so special to watch. I don't want this to go to court because that serves nobody. Um, there'll be no joy in that whatsoever. Um, but no, it, because if it does, it's not about the fans, is it? You know, this is Mercedes Benz saying, um, you know, it's more important that we win than that we put the the best interests of the fans first. Frankly, they've already gone down that road. You know, the appeal was not great, but then protesting the appeal is, you know, and then who knows where it goes from from there. You know, it's just it's just not what's right for the sport, and that must surely be what matters most to all of us. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, there we go. F1 2021. It's been remarkable, if nothing else. Let's leave that one there. Um, thank you, as ever, to our podcast sponsor, JBR Capital. Um, they're a car finance company. So if you're looking to finance your next classic car, a sports car, a supercar, a hypercar, go and check them out. Um, as, we, as we know, they are a company for petrol heads, by petrol heads. And we only partner with companies who we think really understand what it's all about to be a car person. And they absolutely qualify. Um, at JBR Capital on social media, jbrcapital.com online. And I'll put those links in the description of this episode as well. Um, please remember to rate and review the podcast. You have been doing it and it is really important. It helps us find a new audience, um, which is great. So please keep doing that. Uh, and as ever, we'll be back to talk to you all again next week. All the best. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 